Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. This is the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, Episode 71. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion, and live the life of your dreams. Entrepreneurism. Architects pursuing ventures outside of the traditional practice. The education of architects, the AIA, and how we all need to join together to build a better profession. These are all topics that we discussed this week with my guest at the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. He started his own practice in 1975, He dabbled in development, invested in real estate, merged his practice with a much larger firm where he's now partner, and he has designed some rather significant works of architecture. He was the dean of the University of Texas School of Architecture, where he continues to teach to this day. Larry Speck is most certainly an entrepreneur architect, and he's my guest this week on the show. Support for everything we do here at Entrepreneur Architect is provided by our platform sponsor, FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. You can get a free 30-day trial just by visiting freshbooks.com architect. 
Larry Speck, welcome to the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. Great. Good to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, you and I met a, a few years back, a couple of years back, I guess. It was at, at AIA convention in Denver. Uh, the documentary film Archiculture had just premiered, and uh, you and I had both been invited to be members of a panel discussion following that premiere at the convention. And um, uh, as soon as I met you and as soon as you started talking about the profession, I knew that we needed to to connect here in the podcast and 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 have a little conversation. So thank you very much for being here uh, on the podcast. Great. Um, and usually, I, as as what I'd like to do on on every episode is to invite you to sort of give us your origin story, go back to as far as you you feel comfortable, and talk about when you decided to become an architect, why you became an architect, and then sort of give us a brief uh, introduction to you and your your story and your journey to where you are today. Uh, that that could be maybe long and boring, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to make it a little. Well, it boring. may be long, but I, I doubt it would be boring. But but go for uh, it. So actually, I don't know why, but I uh, very very early on, maybe fifth or sixth grade, had it in my head I wanted to be an architect, and that's kind of weird because I grew up in a little hick town and there were no architects, <laughs> and my family didn't know any architects. I I'd never met an architect. But I love buildings, and I don't know why I just was obsessed with buildings and uh, loved to visit them. And on summer vacations, my parents would indulge me, and we'd go see some building I'd seen a picture of and just really wanted to be an architect. Um, but, you know, by the time I got to college, I was like, well, do I really know anything about this? Um, so actually, I double majored in college and kind of germane to your podcast uh, I majored in both business and architecture. So I got an undergraduate degree in business as well as my undergraduate degree in architecture and then my graduate degree in architecture. And that was a really great opportunity. I was at MIT and they had cross-registration with Harvard and I was able to take some amazing, amazing business courses. Um, some of them in like managerial psychology that have just stuck with me forever. Uh, and then a whole lot of them in real estate because I, I thought I wanted to combine real estate with architecture. And um, so I, I was preparing myself to be a businessman as well as an architect. Uh, well, you know, right after I got out, I immediately started teaching. And uh, so I didn't know whether it kind of really be academic and an architect and do real estate. Um, but I did make one kind of major foray in my early career to do a, a rather uh, good-sized uh, development project uh, and just found it overwhelming to, to try to do the architecture and try to do the, uh, you know, being the developer and get the entitlements and all those things all at once. Uh, we struggled through it. We did okay, but it was just kind of overwhelming. So since then, I have uh, I've certainly invested in a lot of real estate. In fact, in my 20s and early 30s, made more money in real estate than I did combined in my teaching or my practice. Uh, and still, I uh, have a lot of investments in real estate. So it's something I'm interested in, but uh, it's definitely been a sideline. And I'm an architect and I'm an academic. Um, so from you know that early origin, I I have been. Uh, a faculty member at the School of Architecture, University of Texas at Austin for 40 years now, was dean for nine years. 
had my own practice concurrent to that for 20 years, uh, and then I became a principal and joined my practice with a very large practice um, that had begun in Austin. Uh, we now have about 480 employees. My firm is Page. Uh, we have six offices, Houston, Dallas, Austin, Denver, Washington, D.C., and San Francisco. Uh, so I'm very much in the business of architecture as well as being an academic. That did the job. Yes, yes, very much so. You you are most certainly an entrepreneur architect from that description. I am indeed. And, and uh, I kind of like, I like the business aspects of architecture as well as, I mean, in my firm, I'm primarily a designer. I've got partners who are uh, much, much more involved and much more adept at the business side of things. But I'm interested and I'm, I'm involved in that for sure. Yeah. And, and if, I mean, you, you've done development, you've done real estate, you've started your own practice. So even if you're not doing the, the business end of things today, certainly the things you learned during that time uh, have have helped you improve what you're doing today. Absolutely. And I think maybe as much as anything, it's given me a perspective on the building industry and on the work a developer does that I could never have gotten just as an architect. I, I have an empathy and a kind of uh, uh, boots on the ground uh, experience with development that I think uh, makes me understand the process a whole lot better. Yeah. Do you do you feel that all architects should should look at themselves as entrepreneurs? Do you think there's a benefit to that? You know, I I probably don't think all architects need to. Uh, I think a significant proportion of architects need to, but it's a big diverse profession. And you know, I'm I'm very cognizant because I've had all these students for all these years, and I follow their careers and. You know, some people are just not cut out for it, and uh, and that's probably okay. They can be a part of a larger team where somebody else does have that consciousness. And uh, I, I realize it's not for everybody, but I do think we need a significant presence of that in the profession. Yeah, I, I often think that it would be great if architects, rather than all coming out of architecture school dreaming of being the star designer that that we are encouraged to sort of follow the the strengths that we have and and architects are more than just designers that there are business focused architects and there are um, specification architects and structural architects and management architects and they're all architects and they're all they're all you know respected and and looked at uh, as equally as the designer architect Boy, I, I totally, totally agree with that. Uh, and that's one of the things I love about being in a large firm is that everybody doesn't have to be a jack of all trades and they don't have to all be kind of half-assed doing all that list of things you just described. But there can be somebody who's just a really good manager and man, they are so great to work with. Oh, I love those guys and they're three or four that I work with regularly that I, I have so much admiration for a really great project manager. Or I love the guys that can take care of the business development and really know how to do marketing and uh, get out there and hustle. And God, those are fantastic architects. And uh, you can't have a great practice without having people like that. And in a large firm, you can have those kinds of specialty people and uh, when I had my own firm and it was much smaller, I was trying to do all of that. 
And I was realizing, you know, I'm not doing any of these things at peak performance. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to manage all of it, but I, I love the idea of people who have found a niche and they realize what they're good at, and I have huge admiration for them. Yeah, you know, I think the small firms, you know, if somebody's a sole proprietor or a very small firm, you, de- you do need to sort of know a little bit about each one of those pieces, and you certainly need to know the business end of it if you're going to run a business. Absolutely. If not, you're, you're going to be bankrupt. Yeah. Uh, and I've known a number of people who've been in exactly that situation. They're capable. Maybe they're really good at specification writing and they're really good at uh, design and they're really good at uh, knowing how to put a building together, but they don't have a clue how to get work or they don't have a clue how to manage a staff. Uh, and that's just not, that's not doable. That right. doesn't work. Right. Do you, do you, as an educator, do you think in general, do you think the architectural education uh, system is doing a good job preparing architects currently for the real world? I think historically it has not. Um, I do think there are signs now of improvement. Uh, and I'm, I'm really pleased about that. Uh, but, and I think it's, as much as anything, it's coming from a new generation of students who are kind of demanding that. They're not interested in being the star designer. Uh, that seems to them a little self-serving, and uh, they're much more interested in being part of a profession that delivers a, a service to the culture, not just to their own ego. Uh, I'm blown away, actually, at this generation of students who are you just don't find the real self-absorbed, uh, you know, I want to be famous kind of kid anymore. Uh, and they really are interested in being a part of a profession that delivers a really good service and does it well. So I think the students are demanding um, a little bit more variety in their education than maybe was true historically. Yeah, I, I, it, and, uh, at the University of Texas, you are you are – um, you have programs for business and, and entrepreneurism. Is that correct? Well, we have a, we're fortunate that we have a business school that offers a, a suite of courses that are not a major. They're a little more than a minor uh, that allow students, if they want to, to do that as a part of their undergraduate education. And they're really they're good courses, and it's, um, it, it is all the rudiments you need so it's extremely complementary to, and, and I actually am an advocate for that business education coming from business and not a bunch of architects teaching pseudo-business. Yeah. Maybe that's because I got my business education in a business school and with business students sitting next to me in classes, and that's actually a really good thing because you're hearing their perspective and you're understanding how they're looking at it. So I love it when our students do this suite of courses in the business school and they're over there, you know, talking with the business students and interacting with them and uh, getting the education in these areas they need education in. That's, to me, the, the best way it occurs. And that's, that's voluntary, though, correct? It is. It's not required. Yeah. Uh, and like I say, I mean, I do think there's room for some students saying, you know, I'm just not interested in that. And I'm going to find a niche in this profession that doesn't demand that of me. And there are such niches, and that's cool, too. Right. Uh, but I, I like the idea that it's available, and I wish probably we pushed it a little more. Yeah. 
Uh, but it's pretty much up to a student to decide it. Yeah, I you know from my point of view, I would love to see some basic fundamentals being taught as a requirement for all architects because I think even architects who are going to become specialists and go to large firms, those large firms would benefit from their architects all understanding the base, you know, just the basics of business. So I, I, I would agree with you there. And, uh, of course everybody has to have a, a pro practice course. Uh, and we happen to have a pro practice course here at UT that is taught by a guy who, uh, he's perfect for teaching that kind of course. He has an MBA. He also has a law degree. Uh, and he has been a managing partner of an extremely large law firm so that he knows what professional services uh, look like and how they operate and the business side of that. Uh, and he's not, he's, he's definitely got a different point of view than many of the rest of the faculty uh, on how practice is run and what the priority should be. Uh, he's, a, he's a hardcore business kind of guy. And he's fantastic in my book. So everyone is required to yeah. take Keith Shuley's course, which is a very, very strong introduction to this is a business and this is how it works. And this the legal side of it. And this is the um, financial side of it. And this is how you run a business. And right. he's, he's good at that. That's great. What do you think as an educator and, and a, a relatively vocal educator is, is, what do you think is the most important change that architecture schools should be impl implementing today to prepare architects for the, the world in the future? So I, I think um, I think one thing, this transition away from the notion of an architect as a um, self-absorbed, uh, it's all about me, this is my design, this is, uh, you know, to transitioning into something where we see ourselves as a service to a larger culture and that we see ourselves as a part of a larger building industry uh, and that we're more integrated um, and less a silo kind of apart from other disciplines. I think this is fundamentally important for uh, the future of education. Uh, we've got a couple of programs here at UT that are uh, doing a bit of that that I am extremely enthusiastic about. Um, uh, many schools are doing this ULI Heinz competition uh, which is um, Urban Land Institute uh, sponsors it, and it's it's a voluntary thing still. But we probably have I don't know 60 people involved in that every January, and it requires uh, you to put together a team of a planner, uh, uh, developer, somebody in the business school, uh, an architect, uh, a landscape architect, uh, a multidisciplinary team, and they work together to do this project. Uh, for the Heinz competition. And uh, those students just walk away from that experience saying, damn, this is cool. I really, I really love working with these people who are not architects. I'm, I, I, I like the idea of not being so absorbed in my own little discipline, but interacting with people who have other perspectives and who can give me insights and stimulate ideas I might not have otherwise. Uh, I think that's a fantastic program, and uh, I think it's really made a transformational difference in a lot of the students who've taken uh, the opportunity to do that. Um, another program we're, we've got going hot and heavy right at the moment is this Solar Decathlon, which again is a program that uh, a number of schools do every year, uh, and it really requires heavy-duty engineering uh, as part of 
the you have to design and construct this extremely sustainable house. Uh, and, and so, and there are people from the business school, and there are people from engineering, there are people from architecture that are involved in uh, the creation of the Solar Decathlon House. And uh, I've got a graduate student right now who's co-chairing that. He was my TA for a while, and I uh, had you know, lunch with Ryan the other day, and I'm just blown away, blown away at the experience he's having. In, and it's very entrepreneurial experience. How do we raise the money to do this? How do we transport this house to California? Uh, how do we interact as business and engineering and architecture students? How do we coordinate ourselves? How do we freaking get the thing done on schedule and uh, you know manage our manpower and our resources? Uh, he's doing an amazing job of that. What a great experience. I would think that many of the students who are taking programs like that and doing doing those types of competitions start thinking way beyond the traditional design practice. Uh, when you, you're inspired by working with other other disciplines and 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 seeing the the possibilities of working as a team. Let's take a quick break right here to thank FreshBooks for support as a platform sponsor. As a platform sponsor of Entrepreneur Architect, FreshBooks has provided funding and support for our mission to become an influential force in the profession of architecture. They recognize the need for small firms to build better businesses in order to be better architects. Have you downloaded your free 30-day trial yet? I encourage you to do that today. They set up a special page just for us where we can go and sign in and request a free trial. Give it a look. It's free and it won't take much more than a few minutes to sign in and look around. I think once you're there and you see how f- easy FreshBooks is to use, you'll want to give it a spin. To access your free 30-day trial, go to freshbooks.com architect and make sure you enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section because they need to know that I sent you there. Because when you support FreshBooks, you support me. And when you support me, you support our mission. So go to freshbooks.com architect and enter Entree Architect. What are, what are your thoughts of architects, you know, leaving architecture school and not starting traditional design practices, but actually taking their education and, and doing something other than traditional architecture, but still being architects uh, and, and starting other businesses? What are your thoughts on that? So, you know, actually, I think the downturn in 2008 for all the pain it created in our profession, one of the benefits that came of that is that there were a whole lot of uh, young people graduating from architecture school who had to be entrepreneurial. And they couldn't just fit themselves into a slot in the profession because those slots were dried up. And I know dozens of people who graduated in that period who did exactly what you're talking about. They said, well, okay, I've got these skills. I've got a lot of capabilities. I'm a hardworking, creative person. Uh, what can I do? And uh, a number of them started design build firms uh, where maybe at the beginning it's just, okay, somebody needs a deck on the back of their house. There's no architect anywhere that's going to take that as a job uh, to design a deck, and then they have to go out and they find themselves a contractor to build their deck. I mean, that's just not feasible. But I can offer this service all together. I know how to build a deck. I know how to put it together. I've got a strong back and uh, good work ethic. Uh, so they would get together, three or four of them, and they'd be providing a service that the culture needs, that 
people need, but architects can't supply that. Just economically, it doesn't work for a firm to do that. Uh, but they were making good money uh, doing little projects. And then maybe they graduate from the deck to the, you know, kitchen remodeling or the bedroom addition. Or uh, and some of those people now have pretty pretty sizable design build practices. There's one here in Austin called Moon Tower that uh, it was three graduates of the School of Architecture who started out that way, and now they they probably have 25 employees. They are doing medium-sized jobs. They're Sometimes they're doing the design and the building themselves. Sometimes they're just doing the designing. Sometimes they're just doing the building. Uh, really, really good guys. And they've got a completely different kind of practice that didn't exist. Uh, at least I didn't know so many of those kinds of practices uh, 10, 15 years ago. But now is an extremely viable way to make a good living, provide a service that is much, much more convenient and efficient for the client uh, to have all that packaged together. Uh, and they're doing really well. I, I think that's a, a perfect example of what you were talking about. Yeah, and then there are others that just go more on the developer end but uh, are just a little more conscious of uh, architecture. And I've got another group of former students that actually I invest with them as well. Uh, but they're, uh, they were architecture students, but they're really doing development now. Uh, and they do, they do nice work. Yeah, and I think once you're an architect, you're always an architect, even if you're not practicing traditional architecture. Yeah, it's in your blood. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I, I I get so excited when I hear about those opportunities that that um, you know architects are thinking outside the traditional firm and they do these other. I, I think the profession needs traditional designers, and I and I and I and I applaud those architects that do that. Um, but I, I'm I'm a member of the jury for the architecture business plan competition that that's happened in the last couple of years um, with Charette Venture Group, and the the plans that get me so excited are the ones that are are thinking outside the the traditional firms that they're taking the ideas and the and the 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 skills that they've learned and the talents they have and they're and they're applying them to other types of businesses and that's really 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 gets me excited and and uh I like it sort of cracking open the profession and making it more than what it that it than what it's always been. Right, I'm I totally agree with that. And honestly, I think uh there've always been architects who've gone off and used their skills to do other things. I've got a student who, gosh, she was 30 years ago or something, and she became a uh, set designer and uh, production person in Hollywood immediately after graduating from architecture school. She's essentially making architecture, but it's for movies. And then she graduated from that to being a director, and she's a very uh, well-known director of major uh, studio pictures uh, these days in Hollywood. Her only degree is an architecture degree, and she came at that whole filmmaking from an architecture perspective. And she'd be the first to say, damn, it was a good background for that. Uh, you know, that prepared me well for uh, thinking about film and thinking about how places uh, are a part of, of filmmaking. Uh, you know, all the way to you know, lots of other students through the years who've gone into everything from, uh, you know, accessibility consulting and, you know, there really isn't a design practice at all anymore, but really experts on, um, you know, how mobility impaired people negotiate the world and know the politics of that and are active lobbyists and, 
you know, parts of nonprofits, and uh, so there's all kinds of things you can do with the background we get uh, in our training as architects. Yeah, yeah, that uh, gets me all all excited when I when I start thinking about the possibilities. You started your practice, your original practice, um, in 1975, correct? Right. So, so you've seen quite a bit of the profession over the 40 years since since you've done that. You you've you started your own practice and then you you joined uh, Page and and so what what do you what have you seen in terms? Well, let, let me re- rephrase that. Um, currently, right now, AIA is is promoting their I Look Up campaign, and um, they're trying to sort of educate the public about what we do and how we do it. And, and I've seen this happen over and over and over again, even in my uh, time in the profession. What is, is your thought in terms of the improvement of the recognition of architects in, in the public and what we do in the, the time that you've been in the profession? Have you seen an improvement or is it pretty much the same and it's just over and over again we're trying to, to hit the same uh, nail on the head? So honestly, I think... Um for maybe the first 20 years of the time I was practicing, um, there was a there was a, a public perception of architects uh, that was not so far off base. I think. I mean, I I, I thought it we were doing okay. Uh, and then there's been a period, especially maybe the last 10 or 15 years, where I think we just totally screwed up. Uh, someone got the idea that we could make the public appreciate architects more. If we had a few star architects that they could remember their name and they could identify with them, sort of a Kardashian uh, version for architecture, right. uh, but we get a lot of publicity and you know that would be exciting and it would get the public enthusiastic about architecture. Uh, and the media, architecture media, kind of I think, bought into that. And so we got this architect system uh, and we began to promote out to the public yes this is what architecture is see this badass crazy building that's what we do we're super creative see uh, and we promoted name brands and uh, you know sort of designer labels on buildings and we began to talk about these buildings as this singular embodiment of this one human being which is complete bullshit I mean those buildings were done by dozens if not hundreds of people and putting one person's name on it is just kind of nuts. Uh, so we, for one thing, personified architecture. They, we made it all about an individual designer uh, and we promoted them as these kind of glamorous figures. Uh, and I think that's been a huge, huge disaster for the profession. Uh, it's made people think that somehow, oh, what architects do is they make a crazy-ass sketch on a napkin and, whoa, voila, it becomes a building. Uh, and there's no consciousness of all the roles that are played uh, in between there. Uh, and also, it's uh, it's taken it away from being relevant to people. So it's sort of like, oh, yeah, that's that crazy stuff that architects do, but that doesn't have anything to do with my everyday life. Uh, whereas architecture's always been about everyday life. It's about your home and your workplace and your community and your uh, shopping area and your entertainment. I mean, it's that's what we do. We're involved in everyday life. But if we start telling people, oh, no, 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 what architecture is really about is this wild building halfway around the world that is 
really crazy, or it's all about Dubai and all these object buildings done by different stars. Uh, that's been a really bad message, and it really doesn't describe the relationship between architecture and a culture. Uh, so I think we went way off base the last 10, 15 years, and I think we need to do everything we can to back off of that position and to reassert ourselves as a service profession that is about people's everyday life, that makes people's lives better, that uh, makes their kids learn better in school because the school is well-designed, that makes them get well better in the hospital because that hospital has you know, wonderful ambiance and natural light and good efficiency and you know all of the things that make a hospital really help in the healing process. Uh, we need to let the public understand that's what we do. And it's not that crazy-ass sketch or that one iconic building. Uh, that's a really fringy, uh, abnormal part of what architecture is in a larger society. Do you think that's something that that is generally the AIA's responsibility? Or do you think there's another way to get that message out? Well, I, I think it is the AI's responsibility, uh, and I think they're, they're discussing this uh, currently. Uh, but I think it's also every freaking architect's responsibility that uh, I need to be out there in the hustings uh, discussing what it is architects do. I need to be telling my neighbors and friends, and I need to be making a talk to uh, my book club or my you know, whoever will listen this is what architects do, and that's what we are. And it's not uh, this kind of artsy, uh, fringy, uh, luxury item. It's it's an essential, uh, absolutely vital part of any society. Um, I uh, I've been teaching this class at UT for ever 30, 35 years uh, called Architecture and Society. And it is, uh, I teach 700 students in that class every year, uh, 350 in the fall, 350 in the spring. And I've now had about 10,000 students uh, in that class. And, um, you know, 80 of them out of that 700 are architecture freshmen, but the rest are every discipline you can imagine. Uh, and I love, love teaching that class because in that class, they really do understand the whole range of what architecture does. And kids walk out of that class saying, I had no idea. Oh my God, what people, what the media has delivered to me is what architects do. That is so boiled down and kind of irrelevant to all the things we talk about in that class. Uh, so the lecture yesterday was uh, on really how architecture affects your behavior. And, uh, you know, especially for a college student living in a dormitory, uh, whether you make friends easily, whether you don't make friends easily, whether you have good study habits or you don't have good study habits, uh, these things are kind of shaped by what kind of dormitory you live in, what kind of opportunities you're given, uh, what kind of campus you're on. And when the students see that, they're like, oh, of course, of course, that is a huge impact. Uh, and but that's not something they've ever heard before. Uh, that class is an eye-opener to them that, yes, architects are all about technology and architects are all about sustainability and architects are all about, you know, uh, 
sociology and psychology and uh, urban interactions of people and architects are all about, well, you know, they're about form too and aesthetics, but it's not the only thing. Uh, so I think it is up to universities, up to schools of architecture to be teaching that as part of the culture. It's up to uh, architects to maybe through their AI chapters have courses in junior high and in high school. Uh, it's up to the AIA, maybe for some larger publicity campaign nationally. Uh, all of that has to happen. So it's everybody's responsibility. It's AIA's responsibility. It's the architectural education, the, the, the school's responsibility. I think it's every individual architect's responsibility to all be on the same page and all be talking about the same story of what architects are and what we can do uh, for the society and and uh, and and what the profession is. I think so. And uh, actually, I think that's a really exciting challenge. I I love doing that. Uh, I probably give twenty or twenty five lectures a year just to uh, civic groups uh, about architecture. I love doing that, and people are so appreciative of hearing about what it is we do. They're super curious about architecture, but we don't give them many venues for getting a window into it. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people will ask me, well, is there a magazine I could take that would be, you know, whet my appetite on this? There are plenty of them for interior design. Uh, and, you know, I have to scratch my head and, <laughs> well, no, you probably don't want to go to the normal architecture journal. That's not going to do what you want because uh, they're not going to even talk about those topics you're interested in. Uh, so it is a little bit of a, it's a sad thing that we have not made venues that people can get more plugged in. And I think exactly your podcast, uh, I write a blog every two weeks, uh, you know, social media is a good way for us to get that word out as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the AIA's new campaign, I think that's their intent. I think their intent is to start educating the public on, on the benefits of, who architects are and what we do. I think they are trying to steer away from the star architects uh, and and do much of what you're what you're saying. And I think that if other architects um, are open to what AIA is trying to do, I think we can all start uh, making the profession better by telling the same story. Absolutely, and I'm I'm delighted to see um, AIA really embracing this and taking it on. Me too. Absolutely. Um, I think we're probably getting close to the end of our conversation here. I'd like to ask you one more question. Um, what do you think is the single most important thing young architects should be doing today to prepare themselves for success in the profession? Uh, gosh, hard to say single most, but yeah. uh, actually I'm really uh, interested. Uh, a group of the students here at UT have started a little program where before final review week, they have a little um, session that they organize where they invite faculty members and other people in to help them talk about their projects better, to help them describe what they're doing better, to be more effective communicators, mm -hmm. uh, but also to really have a clarity of what is it I'm trying to do here. And so those are not about what did you do? But how are you explaining what you do? And uh, I think that's a hugely important skill to walk out of architecture school with, is the ability to communicate what you're doing, to be able to clearly understand your own priorities, and then to be able to articulate that and uh, 
passionately let someone have a window into what it is you're excited about and what you do. Uh, so I would say that if, if there's one thing right now I'd like to see emphasized more or that somebody would walk out of school with, it's that ability to know what it is I'm doing and really be able to talk about that. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Larry, thank you very, very much for being with me here today. Sure. Enjoy the conversation. Me too. Me too. And maybe we can do it again uh, sometime in the future. Get uh, a, little, a little deeper into some of the subjects. What uh, You had mentioned that you write a blog. Where can uh, listeners find that blog? Uh, actually, it's at LarrySpec.com. Uh, and that that's my own website that I've had for a number of years. Okay. Yeah, I was there. You, it's very complete. So if you want to know anything else about Larry, uh, LarrySpec.com will, will give you everything you need to know and you can read his blog there. So Larry, thank you very much. And, uh, and maybe we'll, are you going to be in uh, Atlanta this year? You know, this is for the first time in probably 15 years. I'm not going to be able to make it to convention. But really, germane to what we've just been talking about, the reason I can't is because Urban Land Institute, ULI, is having their national meeting in Houston that same week. Oh, boy, probably yeah. Probably not good timing. <laughs> uh, and we have done two projects uh, at an urban scale in Houston recently, and they're both ones they want to have tours and they want to have talks and so I'm going to go and, and uh, talk to the developers at ULI, but it's going to preclude me from going to Atlanta. Yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, your service there is more important. Great to talk to you. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I appreciate you being here. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Sure. We'll see, see you. Soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I love speaking with Larry. I, he's such an inspirational man. I, I enjoyed speaking with him in Denver, and I really enjoyed Today's show, I think Larry has done such a service to this profession from so many different angles. I encourage you to go to LarrySpec.com and check out what he's done. Uh, drop, an, drop him an email and uh, say thanks. I know he's on Twitter as well. I think he may be at Larry Speck, but I'm not sure. Uh, you can search for him. But uh, I do. I thank Larry very much for spending his time here with us on The Entrepreneur Architect podcast. And if you like this episode or any of the other episodes that we've done here in the 71 episodes that we've done, uh, please go to iTunes and leave me a review because I would really love to know what you think. You know, I talk into this microphone every week and I send it out there and I get some response on Twitter and, and by email, but I don't get a whole lot of reviews and I would really, really love your love at iTunes. So entrearchitect.com slash iTunes. That's a link I set up. that will send you right there and you can leave me a review. That's a wrap on today's show, show notes and a direct link to episode uh, to download this episode may be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 71. That is the 71st episode. Before we go, the quote of the week and investment in knowledge pays the best interest. You know who said that? An investment in knowledge pays the best interest. Benjamin Franklin. My name is Mark Arlapage and I am an entrepreneur architect. I will see you next week and I thank you very, very much for putting your earbuds in your ears and listening to my voice today. Thank you very much. I'll see you next week.
I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. (laughs) So for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.